1976, he became commander of the Commando Training Center um, in Poe. He was a commando um, commander. Yeah, and in the and in the same year, Did he go commando. He was a commando commander. Every he day, his commandos to go commando at the commanding school of commandos. He was a commando going commando. You know, he was um, a commanding commando going commando, teaching commandos to go commando at the commando school of training. Um, in the. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. I have not seen Arrested Development. <laughs> and Ryan. What do you got today, partner? So, Untitled Art is the brewery, and they have this. It's a it, it's a seltzer, but it's it's called Ecto Green, and it tastes identical to the old High C Ecto Cooler. Don't say that to me. Okay, bro, it's delicious. I'm currently on a diet. Don't say that to me. Did you ever try the cherry cola hard soda? No, nah, but I I got the uh, Coke Zero or the Coke Coke uh, Zero Cherry in, in the fridge right now. It's fantastic. It's not alcohol. No alcohol, alcohol though, right? Not alcohol. alcohol. Right. No. Why well, was no alcohol? <laughs> you, you should add some of the I can't uh, drink the, during the, the week. sodas left over. Um, I drank all. I drank Bowl. all. I drank all the sodas. Because they're only 100 yeah. calories, so it's like whatever. But I, I yeah, there, I think there was a cherry one in there. Oh yeah, I did actually. I did have that. It was very I, good. I was gonna say it was very good. Those some, those sodas were very good. Oh, so you did, you did try. I the did, sodas. I did, yeah. and they were okay. way too sweet. I mean, of course they're they're trying to mask the taste of alcohol and regret. It's, of course they're gonna be sweet as fuck. Yeah, with, with no sugar in it. It was just that like. I guess like an aspartame, it's like, like cloyingly sweet. You know, I was like, "Yeah, what's going on here?" But I would not say they were bad. I would say that I drank them. I didn't throw any of them out. Uh, the like cherry the Aldi beer. one tastes identical to like Coke Cherry or Cherry Coke. Um, I don't remember exactly, so I'll leave that one on you. It was close. <laughs> I, I think they used the same like cherry syrup, but um, there there were some slight differences. I just had it Saturday, and I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, at least you, listen. At least you didn't have a bad experience with it. Nah, they were good. Um, and I recently, I think I mentioned a while ago that like you apparently there was a study that came out that basically said, uh, well, it wasn't a study. It's just a known thing that you can't lose, you can't burn fat when you're drinking. So your body, because your liver will only do one or the other, it's either going to burn really? fat or it's gonna it's gonna process the alcohol. But really, but I found that there's this guy on TikTok. He's a, he's a board certified nutritionist as well as a medical doctor, and uh, he posted two studies that were meta analysis that showed analyses that showed that um, that that's not the case. That like you're not going to gain excess weight drinking as long as you account for your calorie count. That's what the I mean, studies show. Yeah. But yeah, the thing is, is like there was a, there was like a meme going around that like, oh, you, you cannot lose weight if you drink, and it was like, well, yeah, that's dumb as shit. That, yeah. that makes there, no sense. Basically, what they were saying is like to process a drink. Yeah, but you, they, and that's what he was saying. Like alcohol cannot remain in your body, so your body no. gets rid of it. Well, and it pr- it puts like um, it preferences it. So whatever yeah, it's it prioritizes working on. It, yeah. yeah. The the main thing I, I will say to counter that is is that. Uh, being being a fan of wrestling and watching a lot of wrestlers on social media <laughs> yeah. is that they do they they do drink a lot of like hard seltzers. Yeah, they're great. 
Yeah. So I, I'm imagining because these these are also people who live that like not all of them are on the uh, the the chicken breasts like two asparagus yeah. uh, asparagus diet, but but still yeah. like th- these are people who like have to watch their weight and have to be in a level of like physical shape that that us like normal people yeah. shouldn't like strive to unless you're like a psychopath. Right. right. If you, they said the other part of the study was that if you drink more than two to four drinks a day, that you will develop a big gut. Like that's basically yeah. what it said. Like you will just—that's oh, what fuck. will happen. <laughs> like women are women are fucked by by default because they have that little paunch that that is just like a physiological thing uh, yeah. for women because it protects that area of their body. But like men yeah. don't have it by by default. You get it because you drink too much or you eat like shit later in life so it's pretty crazy well not even like, speaking not even of joking, alcoholics i, I <laughs> well i was gonna say i have people that i'll meet at work not you i was gonna talk me. about like speaking of alcoholics and i don't i don't want you to think i just called you an alcoholic i no, i was referring no. to whoever we're doing the podcast about no yeah no of okay course. go ahead um, sorry real quick though no real quick <laughs> i was just gonna say that those people that i that i'll meet at work and they'll tell me hey listen like i drink a, a 12 pack of beer every day yeah like, dude what the fuck like, with that i'm like you Jesus. can't do that i'm like you can't do that like that's like, you're destroying yourself like, and then, like sometimes i think i drink too much and that's yeah. because like i'll have like a six pack over the weekend yeah, yeah. No, these people <laughs> that's are, not these people are killing it dude so but i'll tell them like look if alcohol elimination out of your diet entirely is a a thing that's not going to happen which it's obviously not because you've been drinking way too much or too long why don't you consider because you're 400 pounds why don't you consider switching to something like a seltzer instead of drinking like a fucking oh that's pussy shit right (laughs) now listen i've actually had quite a few guys be like you you drink them too nice and i'm like yeah dude i drink the fuck out of these seltzers doing the lord's work and i'm like yes I'm like, dude, they're delicious, right? They're delicious. Like, you don't feel bloated. It's, it's. I don't know. It's if you just want that buzz, it's a great way to go. It, I feel like the buzz comes you. a little quicker too with those seltzers than it does with. They're beer. definitely a higher alcohol. Yeah, they're higher yeah. alcohol than they are with your average beer. They're not though. Like gotta, they're they're five. That's a thing. They're five percent, but I think it's because it's your liquor. Beer is like four five or four seven. So it's yeah, like a average. Malt, it's like a malt liquor. I don't. I don't drink four or five, dude. If you hand me a four point five beer, dude, you get out of my fucking house. (laughs) Most people are drinking like a Bud, a Bud Heavy, a Bud Light. If you're drinking a Bud Heavy, that's five point five. And even even if they're drinking like Bud Light, dude. Even if they're drinking like a Michelob Ultra, like a Michelob Ultra is like a four point three, I think it's it's some weird off number, but it's less than five. Yeah. Oh, Coors Light. We used to we used to pound like half a keg to get drunk. I don't. I don't yeah, drink like cores because I don't support fascism, but <laughs> ooh, ooh. because the cores family, if, if you know from behind the bastards and also um, <laughs> the dollop that the uh, that the cores family was very much like behind like the John Birch Society and like try, oh, yeah. trying to. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are they yeah, behind? Yeah. Was that is that how we got Birch beer? I don't think I'm just it, it I'm just joking. That. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, real quick, Steve, let me ask you something because I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, what's up, guys? Exactly if we not, <laughs> if we covered this uh, during our Patrice Lumumba series, uh, but I just uh, heard the most recent episode of Last Podcast on the Left, and they're going through MK Ultra, and when they're talking about the CIA, they're talking about uh, a definitive uh, plan that they had to assassinate Lumumba uh, with a, uh, a tube of toothpaste. How is that podcast? Yeah, I, I, I mentioned that. Um, with with Sidney uh, Gott- 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 Gottlieb? Yeah, Gottlieb, and you, Gottlieb, you said he Gottlieb. sounded familiar, and I, so, like, I'm sure he was involved in some other, like, Wiley Coyote. Because he was also Wiley involved Coyote. in Castro shit. 
Yeah. Okay. Hey, okay. Ryan. Let me ask you a question. How many? Very high. How many? <laughs> <laughs> how many people? I wasn't gonna. <laughs> I was not gonna even ask you about that. I was gonna make a stupid joke about how many people do you think like just noped out of that podcast because because they're like hardcore Republicans. Last podcast oh, on the left. <laughs> I'm out. Bro. I listen well, to this actually, goddamn show. If you, if you even have a cursory knowledge of horror, you would listen to it, and you would know that it's it's a play on obviously the last house oh, on the left. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. What it is. So I mean, if you have even the even the slightest, I know it was a bad movies, joke. But how high are you? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of people who do too many speaking drugs. Of high, speaking of being high. Well, actually, he doesn't. Because the man we're going to talk about is, is kind of a, a saint-like figure. Mr. Uh, we're Rogers? Gonna be talking about, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the next best thing to Mr. Rogers, uh, Thomas Sankara. Ah, Sankara? Sankara. Sankara. Not, 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 not Sankara, <laughs> the... Uh, I think it's a wrestler. Yeah, it's a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, in order to understand, uh, sort of the where uh, how do you spell Thomas this guy's Sankara, name? Uh, Thomas the normal way, and then Sankara S A N K A R A. Okay, so Thomas the normal way. So D O M A S. It's T O M A S. The name is Domas. Good commercial. Anyway, what well, is it? It is a French. It is a former French possession. So he could have gone with like some weird like Tomas. Yeah. Um. So uh, originally in the area that we know today as uh, Burkina Faso, um, the French had arrived in the area around 1896. Faso. Sorry, the area of where? Burkina Faso. Uh, uh, <laughs> where? Burkina Faso. With a. F- Sorry, where is that? It is south of the uh, the Ivory Coast, uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah, I did a I did a and it, it is with north them on of Ghana. Radio this weekend. North of Ghana. Okay, I'm familiar <laughs> with generally kind it's of where Ghana is. Okay, not not to not to like diminish the people of of uh, Burkina Faso, but it is an inland uh, African uh, nation that I think that the French kind of considered to be like a rounding error because. Oof. Uh, because like the Cote d'Ivoire is like the like is one of the most uh, wealthiest nations in Africa. Is the um, Cote d'Ivoire is that is that west of Ghana? It's it's to the northwest of Ghana. To the northwest of Ghana. Okay. Um, because it is like for a long time. I, I didn't check if it is recently, but for the longest time, it was the wealthiest nation in Africa that didn't like export oil. Right. Okay. Because uh, one of the main exports from the Cote d'Ivoire is uh, Ligma? Um, palm oil. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, it, and if you know anything about like palm oil, it's like one of those things that people often talk about, like that they use slave labor to produce it, and it's this like incredibly valuable item that they could very easily pay all the people involved in the process like a decent way. I'm glad you of went course. that direction with it, and I shut my mouth, because you're talking about palm oil, and I was going to be like, men love palm oil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my God. So the, the French would arrive and claim the area in 1896, but the local uh, the one of the main local uh, tribal groups known as the uh, Mosi, would uh, resist them until the French would eventually capture their capital, um, Oe uh, Gadogo, 
um, in 1901. Say that again. Which is the- I'm gonna need you to come harder with these pronunciations, there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> he did get a really OA- good. He got a good butt in there. He was like, God but. Oh wait! Oh wait! And and eventually, what happens is, is that in 1919, uh, some provinces from the the Ivory Coast are broken off and brought into uh, sort of the administration of what was then called the French Upper Volta. Looks like Ouagadougou. Um, That that looks like how it's pronounced. Ouagadougou. Ouagadougou. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm getting from it. I don't know. I typed Burkina Faso, and the first thing Google showed me was Burkina Faso drinking age. So, (laughs) like, real quick, just so I can really fully understand what we're talking about here. When you're talking about the Ivory Coast of Africa, are you talking about, like, the entire amalgamation of countries that kind of, like, surround the Gulf of Guinea? Or are we talking specifically about the Cote d'Ivoire? I'm talking specifically about the modern nation of the Ivory Coast or uh, Cote d'Ivoire in in French. Okay. Um, So, uh, the area that comprised uh, Burkina Faso is is also sort of the terminus, or or I should say where they begin, um, many of the the branches that become the Volta River, hence why the colony was called Upper Volta. Um, Because the Volta River runs down into Ghana and then into... Uh, the Atlantic Ocean. Damn, Africa's big. Um, it, and it was part of what was called the French West Africa Federation. Um, if you go to Africa, it's a good chance most of the places you go to, uh, especially in West Africa, they'll speak French. Right. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so in, in 1932, uh, the colony was split up for economic reasons, and in 1937, it was reconstituted um, as, a, as an administrative division called the Upper Coast. Um, after World War II, the uh, the Mosi would pressure the French for a separate territorial status, and on September fourth, nineteen forty seven, um, Upper Volta became a officially recognized French West African territory um, that had its own administration. Hmm. Uh, the French would further revise their own overseas territories with the passage of what was called the Basic Law of July. 23rd, 1956. Um, they would uh, reorganize um, the, the colonies based on measures approved by the French Parliament as early as 1957, um, and they would ensure a greater uh, degree of self-government among the, the territories within uh, French West Africa. So this is like kind of okay. like their process of decolonization? To, to a degree, um, because France, like I've mentioned before, is also uh, kind of like the United States and South America, in that while these colonies are given a level of freedom, that if they deviate too much from what the French want, the French will come in and right. they'll they'll do a coup d'état and they'll put someone in charge that they like. It's not that Philadelphia freedom. <laughs> yeah. So wait, so do the French give them a little bit more leniency than um, the Belgians gave, like the Congo, for instance? I would say they give them much more, almost like a British level. Of autonomy, which is basically uh, because, don't fuck up, don't don't piss us off, and you can basically do whatever you want. Yeah, because the way the French see it is that they know that it's becoming harder and harder to take care of their colonies um, during this time period. As we've talked about before, they're currently fighting an insurgency and independence movement in Algeria, 
Right. Um, so, so they're just trying to keep like all their eggs together in the basket. Huh. What was that? Did someone just cock a Nerf gun? <laughs> that was that was a that was a Galactic Cowboy Nitro from Left Hand Brewing. Ooh, nice man! Amazing. I like nitro, I like, I like nitro pretty much anything. You can have they, me nitro shoe balls. And I, I love the Guinness it. nitros with the widgets in them. I'm a big fan. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what this is without the widget. And I feel like their technology is a little more advanced than the the Guinness company. How can it be more advanced if there's no widget? I don't know. Like, did you hear that sound? It's not like a can popping. Yeah, I don't think either of you are able to to make academic remarks about the the nature of the widgets in this beer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should continue with. I just want to point out that I was I was I was I was a manager of the Brass Tap in Gainesville, so I have a robust yeah. knowledge of craft beers. You dissected some widgets. <laughs> no, I actually cut the can open to see what it looked like. It was oh, yeah. it looked he, like a, a snitch. Yeah, they looked like a little snitch. He looked yeah. at them, you know. He was wearing like a, a jeweler's glass, and he was like looking <laughs> just a at loop. The, yeah, the widget. Yeah. I was Adam Sandler and uncut gems, but for craft beer. Uncut gems. Yeah. <laughs> uncut gems. <laughs> and on December eleventh, nineteen fifty-eight, the Upper Volta became an autonomous republic within what was called the French community. Every time you say the Upper uh, Volta, all I hear is the Mars Volta. <laughs> I just yeah. hear vulva. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the upper vulva? <laughs> uh. Well, people found this one, so it obviously exists. Oh, we are no. not safe for work. It's not the vulva that Matt <laughs> is looking for, by the way. It's it's, it's completely... Yo. If you can't find the vulva, the pants are on. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't find a revolver, Dad. Well, son. <laughs> Sorry. Have you tried the zipper? Oh my god! Um, and then uh, on July eleventh, nineteen sixty, France agreed to give uh, Upper Volta um, independence. Um, the Republic of Upper Volta declared its independence on August fifth, nineteen sixty. Uh, its first president was uh, Maurice uh, Yameogo, um, who was the leader of what was called the Voltaic Democratic Union, the the UDV. Man, that sounds. And you said what? What? What year was this? This was in 1960. 1960, okay. 1960, it is now, you said it is now known as Upper Volta in 1960. Yes. Okay. The, the Republic of Upper Volta. Gotcha. Um, the, the Constitution provided for the election uh, by universal suffrage of a president and a national assembly for five-year terms. Okay. Um, but, but soon after uh, Yameogo uh, came into power, uh, he banned all political parties other than the UDV, um, and also, too, he was viewed as being uh, corrupt and was said to perpetuate uh, neo-colonialism by favoring French political and economic interests, which had allowed politicians to enrich themselves, but not the nation's uh, uh, lower-class people. But doesn't he kind of have to have interests specifically with the French being that this is still a French colony? Well, no, it's, it's become independent. This, this yeah, okay, is like right but, but, Okay, like, like air quotes, <laughs> independent. <laughs> Like, yeah, why must you, you cut your air quotes into the air with karate chops? I don't get it. Because, like, because like Yamaogo, <laughs> when he first comes into power, he's very much like he wants to be like the leader, the leader of uh, Cote d'Ivoire, who we'll talk about. Um, but, but because like uh, Burkina Faso or, or Upper Volta, as it is known now, is not really like a wealthy nation, he, he can't really go that far. Mm. 
Okay. Then got the cash. Um, so, Thomas Sankara, um, born Thomas Isidore uh, Noel Sankara, um, is born on December 21st, 1949, um, in Yako, uh, French Upper Volta. And he is the third of ten children to Joseph and Marguerite uh, Sankara. Ten children. God bless Good that woman. God, are you sure this? Are we sure they're not Irish? <laughs> well, they are Catholic. <laughs> there he is. There you go. Uh, because his his father uh, Joseph Sankara was a, uh, a a gendarme, a, a military policeman um, who was of mixed uh, Mosi and Fulani uh, heritage. And his mother, uh, Marguerite uh, Kinda, was of direct Mosi descent. Hmm. Um, he so would his spend. His dad was a cop, and his mom was. Well, his dad was like the military police, which is not really a concept we have in the United States because all police are kind of the military police now. Um, but what? It, it was, <laughs> we're, we're like all 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 police are like like as heavily armed as they're, as if they're in okay. the military. Okay. Which. Which in like France and other places they they have the the gendarmes who are like like a heavily armed like police force. Yeah, it's kind of like the British police thing where like the, the regular cops just yeah have, mo- like, most of the sticks. regular yeah most most of the regular cops just have like like billy clubs uh, and just like, Dale baguettes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, they have that in Italy too, and I can't think yeah. of what the name of it is. But yeah, they were having a demonstration like outside the president's house in Rome. And, it's uh, like it's I something scary. It's like the uh, Balascari or something like it's, that. Yeah, it's some shit like that. Yeah, but my uncle was like, "Oh yeah, no, those are the real dudes. You see them come out, you can go the other way because you're not from." Yeah, I'm like, "All right, bye." <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> you mean the civil police, the Polizia di Stato? It says no, 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 no not that. No, these are the uh, the like the special the, forces. These are the hitters. The heavy, yeah. the heavy hitters. <laughs> these are the fucking, heavies. Yeah, fucking strikers, dog. I'm like looking the enforcers, now, if you will, because I'm like super. I know about the. These, these are the guys that come out to rough the uh, the the communists. Yeah, I know about the carabinieri, which is like the. I think it is. Yeah, I think it's it is the carabinieri. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, carabinieri. Yeah, yeah, they're like the military police. Yeah, kinda, yeah, 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 yeah. The carabinieri. Yeah, because in because in France they have the same thing, but they're the they're the uh, gendarmerie. Ah, uh, the gendarmerie. So the carabinieri drive these like sexy ass fucking Alfa Romeos or Fiats or something like that. Yeah, dude. Fly down these roads that I swear to God are like three and a half feet wide. Ah, uh, dude. Bro, they are. I can't imagine how people roads. drive over there. Like it is just whenever you see it, you're just like it's like India, but like concentrated. You know, it's like. There's these like tight roads where everybody's going way too fucking fast. That's that's why everyone drives like tiny cars. Like people in America make fun of it, and it's like you can't that's drive all the room F-150 we got. Yeah, you can't drive a fucking goddamn F three fifty down these roads that are six hundred years old. Sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> your, your Canyon Arrow ass car down these narrow roads. There was also, as a side note, just googling Cabanetti real quick. Yo, their fucking uniforms are sharp, but the problem is they are very Nazi and fashy. But God, they're yeah. fucking sharp uniforms. Well, they though. they had that in Germany. They had to disband the one the one police unit because it was just like completely full of like fascists that had like kill lists of like who they were gonna kill when they did the coup d'état. Oh, Jesus Christ. Christ. Um. So, uh, Thomas spent a lot of his early years in uh, Galua, which was in a where? town. Uh, <laughs> where? Galua. Okay. Which was a town in the southwest where his father was uh, was. Uh, serving as a, a, a gendarme, um, and being uh, being one of the uh, few 
uh, children of, of sort of like an African functionary of what was then a colonial state, um, he enjoyed a lot of special privileges. Because remember, this is in 1949, so it's still under French rule. Okay. Um, they lived in a brick house with other families. Um, These bougie of, sons of bitches in a brick house. Of other gendarmes uh, uh, um, at the top of a hill overlooking the rest of the city. A brick house overlooking the city. This rich fucking piece of shit. <laughs> um, he would he would attend a uh, primary school at uh, Bobo uh, Diolasso. Next you're going to tell me he's got indoor plumbing. <laughs> I'm sure they probably did have indoor plum, uh, plumbing to a degree. Um, he he applied himself seriously to his schoolwork, um, and he was uh, and, and he was known to excel in both mathematics and French. Um, he went to church often, um, and was um, and impressed many with his eagerness to uh, learn. Um, and some of the priests encouraged him to go to seminary school once he finished primary school. Of course he went to church. He was His parents were Roman Catholic. They would have beat the shit out of him if he didn't go to church. Yeah, or just um, guilted him d- into it. D- despite his initial it agreeing... What, what part of the Catholic spectrum you fall on yeah. if you're going to get beaten or guilted. Yep. <laughs> he, um, he would take an exam to go to uh, go into the secular educational system, and he passed. Okay. So, um, so, so Mr. Sankara is not an idiot, is what we're trying to get... Yeah, and and you'll you you'll kind of see where where he ends up going. Um, it def, definitely not to the Catholic Church. Um, good man. So good man. Good he man. he continued his education at at the Lycee um, Oyezen Kolebale, uh, which was named after a uh, a pre-independence nationalist figure. You're doing um, so good with these pronunciations. That's one thing. I'm probably butchering it. <laughs> You're doing so good, man. The, the best, the best uh, way to get he these. He did things. his uh, postdoctorate work at the Lice uh, Wooly Bully in Northwestern Buka. I was trying to go through my thing with Russian names, and I was like, "There's no fucking way." Yeah, <laughs> these these names have 47 letters in them and only three vowels. Like, there's no. Our Ukrainian way. friend, I pronounced. I tried to pronounce like a word in Russian around her, and she was just like, "No." And I was like, "I think it sounds pretty good." She just laughed at you. She's like, "Go <laughs> get the fuck out of here!" Yeah. She's like, "Sukubila." I'm like, "I think it sounds pretty good." You know, I, I disagree with you. <laughs> it's like I um, speak the language. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Well, <laughs> oh it, my god! <laughs> like the best, like the best way to sort of like sound out things in the language is just to listen to somebody else speak it yeah. and just sort of like imitate. That's why forvo.com exists. It's the best site no. ever. F o r v o dot com. You have a word in another yeah. language, and you want to know how it's sp- said. You go there. You put the word in. And there's like six native speakers record their way of saying it. So this is this is the key, and I learned this from living with three Spanish roommates growing up. Okay, all of them were bilingual. They were all mainland Rican, Spain right? or like Puerto Rican. They're all Puerto Rican, okay. right? So, and I was I was really <laughs> trying to like really learn. Just There's no Castilian. I just wanted to know if you were lisping. That's all. Yeah, no, no, no. It was not Castilian. It was it was like the if you want to talk to different people, it was like the shitty Spanish, if you will. I don't know. Depending on how you look at, like, that, that type of Spanish. Cubans, you know, because if you're Cuban, man, you look down on Puerto Ricans. It's fucked up. Yeah, I've, I've, up. I've definitely heard the Which uh, is crazy, because they Diaz speak, bits. like... They speak the same shit. Yeah, they speak pretty much the same version of Spanish. I've heard the, uh, the Joey Diaz, like, bits with... When it's it, literally the difference between Que Paso and Que Ola. Like, it's literally... He no had, uh, the what's shit. his name on, they were talking about it, that TJ English guy. 
Yeah, but so long story short, my roommate taught me, he said, that the easiest thing to do if you're learning to speak Spanish is you don't learn every fucking word. And I was like, what? He goes, just, if you listen to Spanish speakers, he goes, we mumble a lot. He goes, we're just mumbling shit. He goes, if you say the important words, like you say you're like going to the store, just say leaving in store and just mumble everything else. And I was like, that, fucking, what? Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was the secret to like Chinese. Like people are like, because everybody talks about tone in Chinese and like, I gotta get the perfect tone. And, like, most Chinese, like, native speakers don't speak the same tone because it's all it, it's all based on, like, where you're from is where, like, the tone can be and, like, like how it's said. Yeah, and there's so, five million different so, tones. So what yeah. you do is you just speak it fast enough, and, and because a lot of it's just based on, like, inference. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you just say it fast enough and with enough confidence, they'll know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, honestly, he goes, if you listen to Spanish songs, he goes, you don't need to know every word. He goes, if you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and they're speaking really fast, just pick out the important words that you can hear and you can get the like overarching idea of what they're saying and it'll allow you to respond. Yep. I was like, wow, uh, you cheating fucks. Anyway. So, uh, Thomas going to the Lycee was, was like a big development for him because, uh, it's a boarding school, so he leaves his family's home, um, and he he goes to another uh, city, uh, Bobo uh, Diolasso, um, which was the, the commercial center of uh, the Republic of the Upper Volta. Um, while there, he would become friends with uh, Fidele uh, II, um, who becomes a, a friend of his and, and also a future minister in his government, and, and Sora Mane uh, Torre, um, who was another person who will collaborate with him in the future. Okay. Um, his parents wanted him to become a uh, priest, uh, but he choose, uh, but he chose instead to enter the ma- uh, military. Um, the military at that time was popular because they had just ousted a despised president. Um, it was also seen by young intellectuals as like a place where they, uh, they might help to learn, uh, uh, a way to discipline and sort of improve the inefficient and corrupt bureaucracy of the country and also uh, counterbalance uh, the influence that traditional um, members of society, such as like tribal chiefs had over the country. All right. Um, even, uh, and as he was accepted into the, uh, the, the military Academy, he also did so with the scholarship. Um, and this was because even with his sort of privileged background that he comes from, he couldn't actually afford uh, the cost of an education. It was expensive like Sa- in Burkina like, Faso? Like Sally Mae's got her fucking goddamn claws in student loans well, over there. Well, too. That his, his parents didn't have enough money to like pay for him to go to the military academy. Okay. But they, but he, but he scored well enough that they had a scholarship for him. Ah. Got okay. it. Um, he, Basically, bright futures if you live in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> he, he entered the military academy, uh, Cariogo, um, in the capital. Ah, yes, Cariostro. With the academy's first class in 1966, um, then at the age of 17. Um, he would witness the first uh, coup d'etat on the country, uh, which was led by Lieutenant Colonel uh, Sengule uh, Lamazana. On January 3rd, 1966. Okay. Robert Goulet um, Manzanas. Yeah. So it only took six years for the first coup d'etat to take place, huh? You're goddamn right. Yeah. 
So what um, we're talking about is what I'm gathering is we are not talking about a stable government. It's not stable at all. <laughs> um, I, li- I like just the extended silence where it's like, God damn, no, bro. <laughs> it's Africa. I mean, a lot of those governments are right. They're well, we'll remember because like the because like the Europeans set set it up to fail. Right. Like, like they abandoned these colonies. They're like, well, you could do it, and then every time, you know, the government fails, they can just be like, oh, look at these. Look at these Africans. So. They we don't. They so. don't know what they're doing. It's like what we did here. It's like what they did here. Yeah. Well, no, nah, we kicked their asses, and then they were like, "Well, we didn't want to help you." Anyway. No, I'm talking about what we did to black people here. Oh. <laughs> With like redlining and all that shit, and setting people up to yeah. fail. They, yeah. The set, Great Migration like, happens, and they're like, "No, well, you can come here, but we're going to charge you double for rent, and fuck you. You can never move out of this neighborhood." Uh, like, wait a minute! I don't get it. Well, I don't. I don't get why all the crimes over here. Meanwhile, you have ninety percent of the police force devoted to watching the, everybody. What that we lives need, in that one area. <laughs> what we need to thing, talk huh? about is these people picking themselves up from their bootstraps. You know, we all did it. Why can't they do it? Well, yeah, number one, they don't own boots. <laughs> and number two, <laughs> the boot store is in the white neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, fucking ridiculous. Um, so a lot of these training officers are actually taught by civilian professors. Um, in the social sciences. Uh, one of them is a progressive named Adama uh, Torre, um, and he taught history and geography, um, and he would invite a few of his brightest and uh, more politically-minded students, including Sankara, uh, to join him for informal discussions about imperialism, neocolonialism, socialism, and communism. So they had like, Ooh, little, like, those discussions. little philosophical sal- salons. Oof. Yeah, and also the the Soviet and Chinese revolutions, and, and also other liberation movements in Africa. Did you hear Oswald's need- latest bolmo? <laughs> I need to really read up on the Soviet revolutions because if you were talking about like the difference between like the Bolsheviks and uh, what were the other ones? Romanovs, the Bolsheviks and the Romanovs. I couldn't tell you what the fuck they are, and that kind of I don't know. Well, okay, the, one's like, a royal, the royal one's a royal family, and the other one's a Bolshevik. <laughs> Okay, but okay, but you understand, like I don't. I if you were to just talk about the Bolsheviks and the Romanovs in front of me, I wouldn't have made those connections. So I feel like I have a gap in huh. like Russian history. I'm I'm terrible like, with Soviet that stuff, and that's history. one of the ones that like I definitely know. Um, uh, just from fiction um, and like related items, you know what I mean. I fucking hated Anna Karenina. Okay. Well, yeah, but <laughs> fuck, fuck, Anna Karenina. <laughs> So Sankara was uh, early on exposed to sort of like a revolutionary perspective through this uh, teacher at the academy. Um, and uh, Or at least an open o- mind. Correct. Yeah, yeah, but but he would eventually sort of adopt a lot of these these revolutionary ideas. Wow. Yeah, but um, you can't get those revolutionary ideas without an open mind. And and he was also well known during this period for his passion for music and also playing the guitar, which will be a string throughout his uh, entire. What life. genres is he into? Everything but country <laughs> and rap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Classical and blues. Very open minded. <laughs> He likes bluegrass. He likes just really bluegrass. influenced by BB King. I'm a big fan of bluegrass. Um, so Sankara would begin his military career at the age of 19. Um, in 1970, at the age of 20, 
Um, he went on for further military studies at the Military Academy of uh, Antisarabe um, in Madagascar. Now, what does a military um, guy do in Burkina Faso in the late 60s? At 19, he fucks. <laughs> well, he's, he does... He does what a lot of military officers do, which is which is push pencils and fuck. And fucks and gets roped into really high percent interest car loans. <laughs> Dude, that is now, really now know, on Tom, the nose, buddy. When I, when I see you, Tom, I have I can cousins see in the military. You, I know what's up. What do I got? Now, I, now you, I have a $35,000 coupe that gets two miles per gallon and a wife who cheated on me. <laughs> <laughs> and a 19, wait, no, I'm sorry, not even 19, a 29% interest rate on a fucking Camaro. Now, I know Thomas's 29% interest rate seems high, but you're going to pay off this loan in no time. Bro, imagine being them salespeople, Doc. You know they've got to be so slimy. So Listen, kids, you're going to die anyway overseas. Just just spend your money It's here. like if signing was, insurance policies in Nazi Germany. I mean, you you know. If I was one of those guys, I probably would have hung myself by the I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself, Doc. That is This is coming from the guy who who tried to get body armor to the troops in Iraq. That's something awful project that we got off the ground. I could not take soldiers' money on an off-base car dealership to be like, yeah, sure, here you go. You know, what, 29% you know what happened with that, too, right? Like, yeah, the army said, no, you can't use it, or girls, we're not going to cover your medical costs. Yeah, you get, I have a friend injured. who was in Iraq, and he, he told me that exact story. He's like, yeah, we wanted it, but apparently it wasn't even as good as the stuff that they were being given, too. Like, he showed me all these, like, K, like, I don't know if you own 4chan, but K board level, like, shits, like, examinations about it. Uh, nah, I didn't go that deep into it. I just, yeah. uh, from what I understand, they were like, so they can't use it because the government will not reimburse the dragon skin, if they get right? wounded while wearing it. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah apparently yeah. it's not it's not exactly the greatest thing ever. Not it's for, better than nothing. Not for military <laughs> stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. These motherfuckers that aren't wearing jack or shit was our, to start with. Was our boy wearing uh, dragon skin in 1960-whenever? When did he graduate? Well, unfortunately, well, in Burkina Faso in, in, in 1970, uh, uh Thomas and Carl was not wearing a uh, dragon scale armor. Just had like da- Dale to get uh, sabers, plates. ceramic plates. <laughs> <laughs> They're not bad. Um, so while he's in uh, Madagascar at the military academy, he also studies agriculture um, because he wants to further understand how to like raise crops and how to better the lives of farmers, uh, which is something that becomes very important to him later on. Um, he would also read a lot of history and military strategy, um, and he would also uh, acquire a lot of tools that would help him reinterpret the history of his people. Um, he would also witness some popular uprisings in Madagascar in 1971 and 1972 uh, against the government of then-leader uh, Philibert uh, Serenana, um, and he would also first read the works of Karl Marx Uh-oh. and Vladimir Lenin um, during that time period. <laughs> um, he would graduate from Become the, the ungovernable. He would he would graduate from the academy in 1973. Um, so before his graduation, he would return to the Upper Volta in 1972, where he would fight in a border war between Upper Volta and Mali in 19. 19- um, with, uh, by 1974. Um, he would earn fame for his uh, conduct in the conflict, um, but he would also, years later, renounce his fighting as being useless and unjust, um, and, and sort of showing that his like growth in political consciousness 
where people are praising him for fighting in a conflict, but he knows that like most conflicts are not actually justifiable. He's uh, ascending as a human being in his uh, like hierarchy as a human. He is starting to understand that wars are fucking stupid and, and totally useless. He would also become a popular figure in um, in the capital of uh, Oiga Dogo. Um, and he would also uh, be a decent guitarist and would play at a band called uh, Tutaku Jazz. Um, and he was also known Jazz. for riding a bicycle around town. Jazz bicycle. Jazz. Um, in 1976, he became commander of the Commando Training Center um, in Po. He was a commando um, commander? Yeah, and in the and in the same year, did he go commando? <laughs> he was a commando commander. Every he taught day, his commandos to go commando at the commanding school of commandos. He was a commando going commando. You know, he's um, a commanding commando going commando, teaching commandos to go commando at the commando school of training. Um, in the in that same in, in 1976, he would meet with uh, Blaise um, Campeore um, in Morocco. Is this the fucking American Gladiators? He's meeting with Blaze and who? Turbo. <laughs> with no, Turbo and the laser. guy's name is, is Blaze uh, Pompeore. Blaze. <laughs> laser. <laughs> um, so, uh, it was during this time that uh, the current president, uh, Colonel Seye uh, Zerbo, um, a, a group of officers would form a secret organization called the Communist Officers Group. What was um, his name? <laughs> uh, Say uh, Zerbo. Saber Turbo. Okay. <laughs> um, and the members of this group would be uh, Henry Zongo, uh, Jean-Baptiste uh, Emmanuel Lungane, uh Blaise uh, Campore, and uh, Sankara. You're the American gladiators again. Actually, you know what? That's, that's not right. These are the Burkina Faso gladiators. Yep. The BFG. So despite being a member of this secret organization of communist officers, Sekar is appointed Minister of Information for the, the Zerbo government in September of 1981. Um, so Sekar initially, as, when he becomes the Minister of Information, uh, he differentiates himself from his peers because he bikes to work every day instead of driving a car. Look at this fucking hippie. Um, well, while his other, um, while his predecessors would censor journalists and newspapers, uh, Sankara would encourage them to write investigative reports and also allowed the media to print whatever it found. Okay. Um, so this led to a number of government scandals by both privately owned and state-owned newspapers because he is the, the censorship guy and he's just not doing what the government wants him to do. So he's a censorship guy that's not censoring anything. Yeah, he would resign on April 12th, 1982, um, in opposition to what he saw as the government's anti-labor drift declaring, misfortune to those who gag the people. After another coup d'etat in November 7th of 1982, um, which brought to power uh, a major doctor, uh, Jean-Baptiste uh, Oe Drago, um, Sankara would become prime minister in January of 1983, but was dismissed on May 17th. Hmm. Major uh, doctor. Major. Um, in between those four months, uh, Sankara would uh, sort of press the regime for more progressive reforms. 
Um, and he would be arrested after the uh, the French president's African affairs advisor, uh, Guy Penet, um, met with uh, Colonel uh, Yuri Ensome and told him to uh, take care of uh, Sankara. Hmm. I'm um, sorry. Run that by me again? The Essentially, the French... Like, the French government's African affairs advisor told the president of Burkina, or the of the Upper Volta that they need to, like, deal with Sankara. And, but like, and they did. Okay, but, like, why? Because because he's making too much of a mess. He's demanding progressive reforms. He, oh, he's because he wants normal human rights? They're like, nah, this guy's making too much of yeah, a mess. Yeah, he, he also wants, like, nationalizations, like... Like, like, just sort of, like, making sure that the wealth of the country goes to the people who actually live in the country, as opposed to people elsewhere. Right. Um, but eventually what happens is, um, is that the decision to arrest him is very unpopular with young officers in the military, um, and it creates enough momentum that his friend, um, Blaise uh, Campeor, is able to lead a, a coup d'etat against the government. Wow. Um, so... This what year is this? This is the second. This, this coup, is right? in nineteen. This is nineteen eighty three, and in and in August fourth, nineteen eighty three, uh, Sankara becomes president of Upper Volta at the age of thirty three. And so um, wait, so this is the second coup d'état for Upper Volta, right? I think it's the third. Okay, um, but the third, but there's okay. it, it's just very unstable. I think it's the third successful coup d'état. Okay. Um, so his coup d'état is also supported by Libya which is itself on the verge of war with France and Chad. Listen, I don't know about them libs, but I support Chad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I say what Anybody that comes out of Libya, is that what we call libs? Them liberals from Libya? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, when Sankara comes into power, um, he, he's very much inspired by the example of Fidel Castro and, and Che Guevara, and also the African leader uh, of uh, military leader of Ghana, uh, Jerry Rawlings. Do we um, talk about this? Like, isn't Che Guevara problematic? Hell yeah, he he, he is. Um, <laughs> he's a freaking but, like but just, murderous sociopath, dude. But but just the fact that just in the in the nineteen eighties, looking at these revolutionary figures to sort of throw off like the yoke of colonialism and, and bring their country into their own. Because you have to remember, like, still in the 80s, like, Cuba is is pretty well off compared to other countries. But he was one of those guys that was, like, stood for a lot of really good things, but behind the scenes was a psychopath, yeah. and that's why you see a lot yeah, of, like, it was, it Gen was pretty Z's much wearing his shirt, but they don't really understand, like, what well, actually happened it was popular in, like, the early and, like, mid-90s, but they didn't, people didn't really understand that, like... Like that, it should not have been a cultural token. I mean, he was a fucking murderer. Like, regardless of what he was doing, he was a fucking murderer. Because again, I, I I don't know enough about him to make an make a educated statement on it. I Dude. just know that everybody's wearing his shirts at one point. I was if like, if you do like right. even like a like a cursory examination of the man, not not worth having on your shirt. Hey Steve, can we do Che Guevara? One day. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so. He, he begins promoting what he calls the democratic and popular revolution. Um, and the ideology of the revolution, as defined by him, is that it's anti-imperialist. Um, okay. So he, his policy is oriented towards fighting corruption and promoting reforestation. Um, 
he would sell off the the government's fleet of Mercedes cars um, and made the Renault 5, which at the time was like the most popular, like French and cheapest uh, French car um, sold in Burkina Faso at that time. And also in France, the official service car for ministers. That was the service car, the Renault 5. Yeah. Which, that shit which looks you, like a toaster with wheels. Yeah, that he, he made that the official government car. Um, he reduced the salaries of well-off public officials, including his own, and forbade uh, the government to use uh, uh, chauffeurs and also or, or chauffeurs and also to buy first-class tickets on airlines. Um, okay. He he opposed foreign aid, um, uh, rationalizing it as saying, "He who feeds you controls you." No. Um, Not okay. He he spoke in um, forums like the Organization of African Unity um, against what he described as neo-colonialist uh, penetration of Africa through Western trade and finance. Um, and he uh, called upon a united front of African nations uh, to repudiate uh, foreign debt. I am all about self-sustaining countries and being able to stand on your own two feet, so to speak. But... Accepting aid is not akin to somebody owning you. What the well, fuck kind of well, brain rot? Well, well, it is like when you're talking about like the IMF, like like a lot of like they're like all all aid that's given to these countries and even today has strings attached. And and he's saying that like we're not going to accept this aid because if we accept aid from France, they're they're going to want concessions. They're they're going to want things from us. Wait, wait. So you're going to tell me that they're not offering aid just on a strictly humanitarian basis? Like here, let us help you. They're they're offering aid like with a a fucking uh, a, a car advertisement's worth of small fine print. Yes, because that's that's one of the reasons why China became so popular in Africa is because like all the Western nations had all these stipulations for taking their aid. But China just like like well you need you need help here's money, what the fuck? So that's one of the reasons why China became so popular because unlike the United States or like the IMF or all these other banks where they're just like well we can give this to you but you're gonna have to do this this and this you're gonna have to liberalize the economy you're gonna have to do this this and what? this. Um, they're they're not just like like when when they say aid they're they're not just like giving like like aid without any concessions. So topical does this does this include the current going ons in Eastern Europe? I.e., you know, we Germany says they're going to send them five hundred javelin and a thousand stinger missiles. Is that like with a gigantic asterisk behind it, or is what's? Well, I don't. I don't think that is. Less... But but this is more like like we need we need lo- This is the stuff they don't talk about, and like the newspapers. This is the stuff you don't hear about. Like occasionally you hear about okay. when, you, when you hear about what diplomatic what, what when this? you hear about diplomatic talks. This is more like loans. This is more like I like the government needs a loan to to do this thing to build bridges, to build infrastructure, to build agriculture. Just up. print more money, bro. <laughs> um, oh my god! So, so he's so he's saying uh, no, and and on the and on the front of like African so countries no, owing, can't just print more. That's money. That's gonna be a no from me, dog. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, I'm just joking. And and on the subject of the uh, the foreign debt. They, he says that you know because African countries are poor and exploited, they don't have an obligation to pre- uh, to repay money to the nations that made them poor and exploited. Yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, what the fuck? Why do you think they're poor and exploited? Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so in in the capital, uh, Sankara converts the the army's uh, main provisioning store into a state-owned supermarket um, that was open to everyone, 
which is the first uh, supermarket that existed in the country. I fucking love it. Um, he he forced uh, well-off civil servants to pay one month of their salary to public projects. Oh my god. Amazing. Um, he refused to use air conditioning in his office on the grounds that he said uh, such luxuries were not available to um, to anyone but a handful of people within his country. Alright, now um, he's just virtue signaling. And, and, as, and, as president, and as president, he lowered his salary to $450 a month and limited his possessions to a car, four bikes, three guitars, a refrigerator, and a broken freezer. God, Fox News would be all over that. He says he's limiting himself, but he owns a refrigerator. I, Can we really believe I've him? I've heard one of his suits is white. That's what I heard. <laughs> he says he owns four bikes, but those are name it's brand cream-colored suit. I, I, I have a I have from a good source that he wears the ice cream colored suit from the short in which certain dreams can come true if you are a Chicano American if you wear this ice cream colored suit. I have it on James good almost James almost wore this suit and as a homeless man he was able to pass into popular society from what I have told. I, I have it on good authority that he keeps his refrigerator at the lowest settings. Uh. Um, he also he also required that public servants to wear a traditional tunic, which was uh, woven from uh, Birkenabe cotton um, and sewn by Birkenabe craftsmen. Um, he was also known for uh, jogging and accompanied through the capital in his tracksuit, and he would pose in his military uh, fatigues. Uh, with his mother of pearl pistol for pictures, he used to uh, jog with a tracksuit like a like a Slav, like a like an Adidas yeah, track. Up. Yeah, Slavo. Like, <laughs> did he do the Slav squat too? Yep. Wait, wait. Did he jog with the mother of pearl handled pistol? Uh, that was in his military fatigue. So I think uh, that was like okay, afterwards. Okay. Don, um, that'd be so gangster if he was like jogging uh, with a pearl handled pistol. Oh god. What, when he was asked by people why he didn't have his portrait hung in public places like other African leaders. He replied, there are 7 million Thomas Sankaras, um, which is referencing the fa- uh, the population of uh, Burkina Faso right. at the time, which had 7 million people. Uh, listen, uh, so, excuse me, um, so I really like this guy. Does that mean that he's going to get fucked real bad? Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and going back to him being a guitarist, he also wrote the new national anthem himself. Dog, what? Um, okay, you know what this does, and I'm sorry to bring this topically again, but this gives me really bad vibes for what's going to happen to Zelensky. Zelensky's fucking great. He's a fucking. If you believe the propaganda, and I'm going to say propaganda loosely because a lot of it is official, but like that dude is staying in an active war zone with a gigantic target on his back. Like yep. that guy deserves to have folk was, songs written about him. He was pretty him. funny, especially in that skit where he's. Because he used to play the president on his uh, variety show. And he won Dancing with the Stars Ukraine edition. Like, dude is... It's very difficult. He's a a triple threat. (laughs) I feel like bad things are going to happen to him because all these great people, it's like, yeah, we're going to dump you in acid and send your family teeth. Bad bad things are happening to him right now. Yeah, bad bad things are happening to him right now, but I think... No, 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 I'm saying, like, the real, real bad. I think he and Ukraine are going to get out of this. 
Um, really? Like, it, it's not going to be good, but but I think at the end of this, like, they're, they're going to come out as an independent nation. Of course they're going to come out as an independent nation, but the question is, I what think you guys, to every nation around I want that to happen, but I don't think you guys are right at all. I mean... Not not to not to get on a tangent, but they're on day they're almost on day twelve of the invasion. They haven't even taken any really any major population Sunk centers. Cost. This is like yeah. this is such a mess right now for Putin. There's no way he can he can pull out. He can't stop. No. He's pure ego. No. He's just a no. well, he's a big red dick. Like he's this not was gonna be in high school. There's no way I can pull out in time. Yeah. None. No. <laughs> He's either gonna he's either gonna destroy the country or take it. I I don't so, I don't see it going either way. Any let, other okay, way. let me let me ask Steve because you're more educated than I am. Every knowing everything that we know as is current on March seventh, knowing that Putin is literally surrounded by yes men and out of his mind, and more than likely does not understand what the actual on the ground look like uh, from a Russian perspective. I feel like he's being lied to, but like. Being that you are far more educated than I am, how do you honestly think this ends? Does I, this ends with Putin just saying "fuck it" and firing a nuke? I don't. I don't think it ends with that. I think. No. I think it's going to end. I, I think it's going to end with some like quasi like like Operation Valkyrie, where like the oligarchs and the military or whoever are going to like make a plot and they're just going to kill him. They're going to say like, "Well, you know, Putin killed himself." So what's Operation that, Valkyrie? Was that Osama bin Laden? No, Operation Valkyrie was the uh, the plot to kill Hitler. They they were going to uh, kill where Hitler. Tom Cruise and they were, tries to kill Hitler. Yeah, it was it was a plot by members of the <laughs> the Wehrmacht that they were going to kill Hitler, and they had a plan set up because there was a, a stipulation in the like the the Constitution of Germany at that time that if the leader died, they could declare like a state of emergency, and they would declare the state of emergency, and they would use that. To like take out the SS and like take control of the government. Um, so wait, but, so this is the point. What year is this happening in Operation Valkyrie? I think it was in. It was either in forty three or forty four. Like, like, so we're talking it's, like it's towards the end of the war. Like okay, there's a good movie they, they about tried, it. You want to know what the they, name they of the tried movie before. is? If you fucking tell me this Tom Cruise movie one more time. <laughs> it's called Valkyrie. The name of the movie is. I've never Valkyrie. seen it, but I know what you're talking about. And it's not about the. Uh, we're not talking it, Iceland Valkyries. We're talking <laughs> the plot to assassinate Hitler by the Wehrmacht. Okay. It, was, it was one of the reasons why Rommel got got hung was because um, they they had named him as one of the people they would use in like a like a post Hitler government, even though he wasn't like directly involved in the plot. Because his name came up as like someone they could probably trust to be in the government, uh, he got killed. Mm. Okay, he was pretty. Uh, he, um, that made sense too because he was pretty uh, anti Adolf. Well, the well, Desert Fox. He was. He, guaranteed he was he anti. He was anti losing. He was. He was pro genocide. Oh yeah, they were all pro genocide. All, all, all the all the Wehrmacht, all the Wehrmacht people were pro genocide yeah. with the hunger plan and like all that. Yeah. Um, so on uh, August fourth, nineteen eighty four. On the anniversary of his his ascension to being uh, president, um, he renames the country uh, Burkina Faso, um, which in the in the language of the Moray and the Dula people means the land of upright people. So he renamed it to Burkina Faso in what what year was it? Nineteen eighty four. He's the OG Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> He's he the is. OG UCB. Yeah. <laughs> He also he also would give the country a new flag and then also unveil his new national anthem for the country. 
with his guitar that he wrote, right? Yes. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Um, his first priorities after taking office were feeding housing and giving medical care to the people of Burkina Faso. This guy's um, great. He would launch a mass vaccination uh, uh, campaign um, in an attempt to eradicate uh, polio, meningitis, and measles. Okay. Um, from 1983 to 1985, uh, 2 million uh, Burkinabe were uh, vaccinated, which is about a third of the country. Um, prior to his presidency, the infant mortality rate in Burkina Faso was about 20.8%, 20, uh, but during his presidency, it fell to 14.5%. Really? Okay. Um it was also the first um, administration in Africa to publicly recognize the AIDS epidemic as a major threat to Africa. Yo, fuck. <laughs> the more I like this guy, the more afraid I am of his, his untimely um, demise, which he, I'm sure is coming. <laughs> he would also take large-scale housing and infrastructure projects. Um, he would create brick factories in order to build houses in an effort to end um, slums within urban centers within Burkina Faso. Oh, this guy's so awesome. Um, he would also fight deforestation. Um, he would create what was called the People's Harvest of Forest Nurseries, which created, uh, which were created to supply 7,000 village nurseries, as well as organizing and planting of, of several million trees. Oh, my God. Steve, I need you to stop telling me how great this guy was, because every time he told um, me some awesome shit he, would, he did, I'm just like, this guy's going to get his head chopped off, isn't he? He, like, he would also he would also promote programs to create more roads and railroads to connect the country. Oh, yeah, he's going to die. Um, and, and over, anybody that and over, promotes, like, civilian infrastructure that doesn't, like, line pockets for anybody, it just provides, like, the actual citizenry with better ways to get well, around is gonna die. Well, you're trying to well, take a ride on better. the wedding. Oh, I know it gets better. <laughs> I'm, even, I'm not... I know you're well, gonna keep going. Well, we'll know to, we'll know to say, like, how, how it, like, th this guy's gonna get killed. Uh, under his watch, they build over 430 miles of, ro of railroad, oh. um, to, which, uh, which is also aids the manganese uh, extraction industry in the country, and what they called the Battle of the Rails, um, and he does this without any foreign aid or outside money. Oh God! He's oh, fucked. he's so screwed. Did you just say manganese <laughs> so extraction? So yeah. So there's yeah, a there's manganese. a vital resource in this country. Oh fuck. Yeah. And he um, paid for it with no for it. Oh oh no. I, I, hey Steve, have you ever I heard of like, the Banana War? <laughs> I feel like it's uh, what's his name? What's his name? Jr. That's the United States music. <laughs> Oh my God! That's the United. That's the United States music. By God, that's France with the chair. <laughs> oh no, they're going after the manganese. <laughs> oh my God, that man's a father. <laughs> uh, He's building trains. Uh, we gotta stop him. And he, he purposely did these programs as well to prove that African countries could be prosperous without the aid of um, outside nations. No, of course they uh, can. No, Steve, because uh, look what happened. Rich. They are hood rich, if you will. Look what happened to Black <laughs> Wall Street. Okay, I mean, it just doesn't work. All right, at the end of the day, yeah, it doesn't work when white people come in and like, no, nah, y'all doing Light too the good. Like, kick over the fucking goddamn fire and kill yeah. hundreds. Yeah, white people are like y'all are doing too good and flip the board. I like it. people on, like dismiss that kind of like uh, historical inspection too, right? Like nowadays, because they're sick of hearing about it. And it's just you like, yeah, but 100%. Be, don't bring the conversation up if you can't deal with the fucking reality of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's ridiculous. 
All right, so so we need so- we need manganese for iPhones. So <laughs> and the iPhone plot started in about the eighties. So Elon Musk is over there with a fucking rock hard erection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elon Elon Musk is sweating yeah. and has a weird yeah. horny look on his face. <laughs> Um, if you guys don't so get, if you guys fraction. don't give me this manganese, you're all pedophiles. Um, Sankara would also initiate a literacy program um, because at the time of his ascension, uh, the country's literacy oh. rate was at ninety percent. Ninety about, th- yeah, about ninety percent. That's got to um, be higher than the United States. I need to look so, that up. So within the first couple of years, uh, the literacy campaign is very, uh, very popular. Uh, oh my and, god! Oh my! And by the end of they his ninety. They were. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to interrupt you. They were 90 percent literacy rate. Illiterate. Oh, 90 percent illiterate. Oh, I thought you said literacy. So, fuck yeah! I thought you no, said literacy. By, I was fucking no, shocked. No way. The United the United but, States is not even 90 percent literate. By by the time that his uh, by 1987, uh, the country had reached a 73 percent literacy rate. Oh, uh, okay. That's okay. That is admirable. Seventy-three percent is pretty damn high for a country that was ninety percent illiterate. Like when he came in, it was ninety percent illiterate. Yeah, yeah. Holy that's shit, cr- dude! Yo, he was only in power for like um, what, like a decade? Not even. Not yeah, even. he wasn't. He wasn't in power that long. Take a um, wild guess what the United States literacy rate is as of twenty twenty two. Six without Google sixty nine. <laughs> nice. It's like eighty nine point something. It is seventy nine percent. That's so bad. I thought you said that he now had is that is that counting babies rate. like babies that can't read? No, it's adults. <laughs> it's 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 adults. It's, it's among adults. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fucking joking. Um, they're not. They're not. They're not adults. quizzing fucking nine month olds. Like you, you can't fucking, read, you stupid bitch. You fucking douchebags. <laughs> Look at this dumbass baby. <laughs> Well, more reason uh, to man, we're going to have to take your kid away from you because he can't read. It's six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you should have yeah, worked. Yeah, all that goo-goo-ga-ga shit don't fly huh? over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there it's now be fatwa a- against babies. <laughs> oh, my God. How to fatwa? Um, there would be a... Um, you got fucking fatwa, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. There would there would be teacher strikes against Sankara, um, which he would counter by creating what he referred to as revolutionary teachers. Um, so, in order to replace uh, twenty five hundred teachers who had uh, who were fired over a strike in nineteen eighty seven, um, anyone who had a college degree in the country uh, was allowed to be a teacher. Wow. Uh, um, I don't know about they, that. They would be given a ten day uh, training course. Uh, before beginning to teach, I mean, this is not that that much different from like teaching in Florida. What? I thought you needed at least a bachelor's to teach in Florida. Nope. Well, well no, that's what I'm what? saying. All these all these revolutionary teachers have a bachelor's degree. It's like you have a bachelor's degree, you take this course, and then you can be a a school teacher. Oh, I thought you needed like a bachelor's in education. No, 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 no. no. I know in New Jersey you do. You have to have like your. So you have say, to get a, Massachusetts. You absolutely. You have, have to have yeah. a master's yeah. in education to teach at the high school level. I think. Oh fuck! Hey, you know what? That's that's my bad, bro. I'm fucking. Da- you know what? I'm once again trying to compare Florida's education system to anywhere that's uh, not a third world fucking. Oh, it's country. a joke. It's like <laughs> it's like getting cops to apply down here. I mean, they they Sorry. lower the yeah. standards because no self-respecting person 
with like a, a bachelor's degree would want to become a police officer. criminal justice yeah they wouldn't yeah, want no. to become a police officer Fuck that's no. pretty much what it is because it's a shitty job so they uh they pretty much have lowered the standards to the point where you know literal mm-hmm. literally like the the stereotype high school bully applies for the job it's terrible and gets it. and they get it that's Absolutely. why i really laugh it. when there's dudes that can't when there's dudes that can't get hired by the police department and they have to go work in the jail first i fucking die laughing i'm like bro how bad are you that you can't get hired by the cops man fuck <laughs> come on man for real uh after sankara comes to power he begins creating a system of courts called the popular revolutionary tribunal um so what originally the point of these tribunals uh, was to try former government officials in a straightforward way um, that the average uh, citizen of, of Burkina Faso uh, could participate or oversee in the trials of these of these people who, you know, had held back the country and been against the revolution. Okay. They would place them on trial for corruption, tax evasion, or quote-unquote counter-revolutionary activity. Oh, I, lo- I love that. Broad. That's too broad. That's the best broad. thing ever. I want to put you in jail indefinitely for counter-revolutionary activities. What did but I the, do? You spoke French, motherfucker. <laughs> but the, the sentences for these individuals were often uh, very light, and, and they would often suspend them. Right. Oh, we talk about America? Oh, never mind. <laughs> um, and the uh, the tribunals were, were often alleged to be only uh, show trials, to just to be done for the public. Ah, uh, we are. Dun, 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 dun. Um, the U.S. <laughs> the U.S. State Department would say that the procedures of the trials um, and, and the protections. I'm sorry. One of one of the most damaging shows. One of the most damaging shows in American history. Uh, Law and order. Why? Because, because I'm of the way it like kind of puts time? the, the well, this system on like a pedestal where it never does well, anything. Yeah, wrong. because it because it was the first show in American history to make prosecutors the heroes. Yeah, and, and, it, the, and it just sort of made the defendants like like they're automatically guilty, like they're they're automatically wrong. You know, the prosecutions are the right. ones who are correct, and in the minds of the average American, you know, they began to emphasize more with the prosecution the defendant. It's not to say that all prosecutors are bad. But when you create a model, you know, but where most, the prosecution is the hero. Most prosecutors are... And it doesn't jive with your innocence or prove guilty theory. Most prosecutors are that guy from uh, Better Call Saul. That, like, slimy dude who's, like, eating his lunch yes. at the urinal. You know, like, yes. yeah. that's a prosecutor. The the only people I will give, you know, leeway to are public defenders. Because those are the people that are doing it for, like, little or no money. They're trying to get through law public school. Public defenders you know should be... actually care. Public defendership should be paid extremely well, in my opinion. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because, that, because it, would attract, it would attract better quality lawyers that, you know, have a vested interest in actually getting it done. And, and the problem is, is on both sides of the aisle... It's like, well, the thing. It's well, here's fucked. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You get really, really, really good attorneys that are public defenders Sometimes. because they have to do. Well, the, as an attorney, you have to do some time public defending if you're doing criminal law, right? So, like, you you have to. So, at some point, you're going to be a good attorney in public. I defending. didn't know that. The problem that. is, like you said, nobody is going to stay as a public defender because you're not getting paid jack shit. But imagine, like, you know what I mean, imagine manganese, though. You know. <laughs> like a lot of it. All that manganese just 
rolling around in it. What I'm saying is, if Thomas Sankara had a public defender, I would sue the shit out of him. Might have first the manganese. Well, the well, the well, one of the main problems with the uh, the Revolutionary Defense Committees is that they do not have a public defender, and that the defendants have to prove themselves innocent um, without uh, any representation. I'm oh. sorry that you don't have a constitution like America does, brother, but uh, that's a purely American and, and thing. And initially, the courts are are, are, <laughs> are are loved by the people because the previous regimes have been so corrupt. But what eventually happens is that eventually the courts move on to what are called, quote-unquote, lazy workers. Um, who were, hey, who were often... Now, se- I put a lot of time in today. That's not fair to me. <laughs> who were often sentenced to work for free or were, or were fired from their jobs and discriminated against... Because they were not felt to be uh, good workers, um, and and often these courts do, as often happens in these sort of revolutionary situations, the, the courts were used just to settle scores and humiliate their enemies. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is this um, is an issue. But one one thing that happens with the well, the revolutionary tribunals lead to what's called the revolutionary defense committees. Um, these, uh, officially called the Committees for the Defense of the Revolution, um, the Comité de Defense de la Revolution, uh, were formed as uh, uh, armed organizations that were to be a counterweight to the power of the army as well to promote uh, political and social revolution in, in the society of Burkina Faso. Checks and balances only work if there's actual punishments to get doled out for refusing to abide by the rules. Right. But um, if you just say fuck it and nothing happens to you, the checks and balances doesn't mean dick. Hence. Well these are these these are kind of like the Soviets in that they're they're not attached to state power. Hence uh and, and they're sort of given a space within the state in order to um sort of determine affairs. Okay. Um, and he bases sort of on the model that was created by Fidel Castro when he made the, the committees for the defense of the revolution in Cuba. Mm. Um, he was, uh, these, these groups were often accused of, uh, of, of being, uh, too heavy handed of, of being thugs and also being gang like thugs. Um, killers. Like, we're talking like Brown. <laughs> We're talking like brown shirts, then. Well, they would they would meddle in the everyday lives of people. Um, they would use their power to settle scores or punish enemies. Um, but Sankara himself would noted uh, would note that that they were a failure. You know that that he didn't mean for them to be this way. Well, which I think is one of the things that you should give Sankara. Where like a lot of people, like Fidel Castro, would apologize for some of the excesses of the revolution much later on. You know, this is still ongoing. Like, Sankara's only been leader for a couple of years that he's already saying, like, yeah, these guys should have done that. I'm sorry. This isn't what I meant to happen. You know, it's a lot different from Fidel Castro 40 years later saying, like, yeah, we went too far. Not even, you know, comparing him to Fidel Castro, but the ability as a human being to say, hey, yeah, this was a failure, especially when you are considered the leader of a country, is is it's it's something to be lauded. Something to be said about it. Should that. be yeah. lauded. You 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 do not see uh, high ranking officials often saying, "Yeah, this was a mistake. We fucked up. We're sorry." Like that doesn't happen. It's just not a thing. But but that coupled votes, with the buddy. failures, the failures of the teachers, uh, the teachers movement, um, and, and also which by uh, the way is the- why you need term limits in every single area of government. One hundred percent. You you do, Steve, but uh, he he only reigns for about like four years. <laughs> no, I mean I'm talking about in the U.S. I'm not. I was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, just, just in period. general, 
just just any country there should be term limits yeah like there's no um, way like i hate to say it because it's better than trump but there's no way biden should still be in government well well, no. it was like, for a fucking I, 35 was, years or whatever. The dude was is like, fucking, I was, like, literally you can see his dementia when he makes speeches. Like, no, get off the fuck. No, no, bro. No. Well, I was, I was pointing out to a guy sort of like going against the claim, you know, that what, what's happening now in Ukraine is because of like NATO and, and that like Boris Yeltsin chose Putin because he was worried about NATO expansion. I was like, no, like, like Yeltsin was only worried about like getting out of jail. Like, I, I don't think Boris Yeltsin even thought that the guy that was going to replace him would be in power 20-plus years later. No, fuck no. Because if I'm not mistaken, back when Putin was first put into power, they still had elections like every four or six years, right? Yeah, which which they still do, but he just cheats at them. Well, but, yeah, but, but I mean, like, even back then, like... But, it was, but Yeltsin still had to, like... He, he still had to campaign. Like, like yeah. it wasn't like Putin, where he, he knows he's going to win. It's which like, oh, we talk I got ninety six percent of vote. Oh yeah, this is totally fair, totally, totally which, real, bro. <laughs> which we talk about in our apartment bombing episode. Nah, you don't need to count the votes. This is totally real, bro. Totally real. Ninety nine point nine percent, and uh, we will take care of point one percent. We'll take care of that. That's not the deal. <laughs> um, he would also clash with the local uh, Mosi group, which remember he is a he's primarily a member of the, this tribal group, um, um, because they adhere to a traditional sort of hierarchical social system um at the top of it um is the morho naba which is the chief or king of the mosi people um uh sankara would view the institution of the mosi people as an obstacle to national unity and he proceeded to demote the mosi elites um he would make it so the more the morho naba was not allowed to hold courts um and local village chiefs were stripped of their executive powers um and those powers were given to the revolutionary defense committees. So the powers were given so more power was given to the to the committees that were an admitted failure? Well well just these political committees. He essentially gave them the, those powers to the party that were initially relegated to the, the traditional uh, leaders of the villages and such that were like born into those roles. Ah okay. Um and which which he which he admits too that they were a failure but again, he's taking power that's given to people on the basis of their birth, as opposed to people who who possibly, you know, earn their position. I, I don't want to really say they they earned it, but but you know what I mean. So, someone yeah, yeah, who yeah. is someone who comes to power is someone who is born into power. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were born with power. I mean, um, I was born. Was, with <laughs> power overwhelming. Yep. Um, he would. Uh, <laughs> He would also improve uh, uh, women's status in in, in Burkina Faso. Oh, they're going to get him. Oh, they are um, going to string this dude up by his fucking nuts. He's trying to give women rights? Oh, he's Steve, done. let me he's ask done. you a question. What did he do about the gas prices, though? You know? Because, you know, world leaders directly affect the price of gas. So They put him on a sticker that said, I did that, and slapped yeah. him in the pump. Did so they? they 17-year-old gas station. See, now that, that, that right there, day. I mean... To be honest with you, that is a constructive use of time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a good way to going around to the gas stations, putting these yeah. stickers up. Yep, yep. Spending spending out. money on gas to make fun of gas prices. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. That adds up. 
I saw somebody's somebody had put like in those like chalk markers on their back windshield something to the effect of like if you're going to the gas station I'm gonna follow you or if you voted for Biden you owe me a tank of gas or some bull I was like God, how fucking like Americans are dumb as very fuck. dumb like your average American is yeah. stupid your average, fucking your average shit. voter is completely up their own ass um but but Sankara uh, was was not just fine with binders full of women he also made his government full of women. Um, which was, binders. Which was very, I got um, binders full of women. Hey, I got binders in these bitches. <laughs> which was unprecedented at the time. <laughs> I, there are people so, I work with who still to this day talk about how Mitt Romney should have been elected. Um, he definitely should have at least been a nominee. We're 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 not gonna talk. <laughs> he should have at least <laughs> been fuck a nominee. him. He's a piece oh, of shit. Um. He, um so, uh, said Carr's government he took Toys ban, R Us from uh, us. Would, would ban bitch. female genital mutilation. I thought you were going to say they banned um, female genitals. I was like, whoa, wait. There. No pussy. <laughs> they, they, made, uh, they made forced marriages illegal as well as polygamy. Um, and he what? also appointed women to high governmental positions um, and encouraged them to work outside the home so, and stay in school even if pregnant. So I, I so agree this with all oh that. Oh, God, he's so fucked. He's so yeah, fucked. like, I agree with all that, but, like, you're in Africa, dude. Like you're he, gonna get clapped so fast. He, he did also he know something was that, coming, Steve? Like he's like fucking furiously signing documents. Like give these people rights. Give these people I'm rights. Take away this shit. I'm about to get fucking clapped. Just get rid of like, a It is like a decade of it is like decade of rule. Uh, um, so he 29% also interest rate. <laughs> he also promoted the use of contraception, um, and he encouraged he he also encouraged husband, uh, husbands uh, to also you know go to the market and prepare meals. Um, to, to sort of put themselves in the shoes of women. <laughs> this dude is so fucked. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Um, it's going to make what happened to Patrice Lumumba look like child's play. He also... Like, just like a tickle he, fucking fight. He oh, also God, gave a... Uh, he also recognized the challenges faced by women and gave a speech um, on International Women's Day, March 8th, 1987, in the Capitol, sort of detailing, like, the, the suffering of women. This dude is incredible. Um, this dude is incredible, man. In a, in, in a completely like non sarcastic way, this dude is fucking incredible. He in also Afri- you have to understand in Africa he's he's banning he, female he also, mutilation. He he also looks like he also looks fresh as fuck. Like I'll if you look at a picture look of him, him, hang on, let me let me um, look up what he looks like. Um, so he also during he looks like uh, Carlton. Yeah, but but in like like military Carlton. But here's the thing you have to understand: like female genital mutilation was a very common thing in Africa. Yeah, and, and trying to it give still is rights. to a degree. It's, so okay, and now we're talking about in the in the, what the 80s, dude. Listen, yeah. this guy not only had fucking balls, but I mean that is you have to know you're you're gonna be a target doing shit like that. Um, in this in this speech, he also stated. That part of the uh, Burkinabe, which Burkinabe is a term from people from uh, Burkina Faso, um, as part of the revolution, he would be, quote unquote, establishing a new social relations, which would be upsetting the relations of authority between men and women and forcing each to rethink the nature of both. Um, and he said that this task is formidable, but necessary. Oh, man, he's so. Yeah, he, he's going to get he's th- he's going to get clapped. Yeah. Um, but in, in 1974, his first big challenge is that there is a clash between Mali and, and Burkina Faso over a, a strip of terity, uh, territory called the Agacher Strip. Um, and is this like the Gaza Strip? 
and this would lead to a five-day war um, that they it totally uh, ignores me. You see that? <laughs> I got no respect. <laughs> Well, well, is this, this is a, I tell you, my wife. Well, it's all like it's all like the Gaza Strip for a number of reasons that, that I don't really want to go into, but um, yeah, essentially, it's this. It's this. He's like, go fuck yourself. Because because remember when the European nations draw the lines on the map, the lines on the map don't match the reality. Correct. Which is part of the problem, and also too, there might be multiple maps which don't match up. Correct. Which causes these conflicts because you have to remember. They, they essentially, like, squiggled some lines on a napkin, sometimes literally, and just pieced out. And Correct. they just left these entire nations of people to deal with these issues. Yes. Um, so they, they first say that they're not going to use any Africa, or they're not going to use any force, uh, which they tell to the Organization of African Unity. Uh, but by 1983, so after nine years of sort of trying to deal with this issue, uh, they... Uh, they decide that they're going to work uh, work it out in a commission. Um, so, uh, and, and also causes issues because Sankara uh, personally dislikes the uh, the president of Mali, uh, Musa Traor, um, who had taken power uh, by deposing of a left wing leader, uh, uh, Modibo uh, Keita. So he uh, doesn't like the Malayan president. Be just because he deposed uh, a friendly regime, or he doesn't well, like him well, because he stands for some bullshit. Well, he doesn't like him because he he could taught a left wing leader in order to take over the country. Okay, now um, was that left wing leader deserving of a coup d'état? Because we know that left wing regimes not, are not. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I, I think like gen and generally saw it as unjustified. Okay. Um. So, on September 17th, Sankara visits Mali, and he meets with uh, 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 Traoré. Um, the Algerians are the mediators in this conflict, um, and they agree that the border dispute will be settled by the International Court of Justice, and subsequently petition the body to resolve the issue. Um, in July of 1985, uh, Burkini Faso declared that the Malayan uh, Secretary General of Economic Community of West Africa, uh, Drissa Keita, um, um, they they did they declared him a persona non grata um, because he had <sighs> criticized Sankara's regime. I really feel like the International Court of Justice sounds like the People's Court, where it's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> this is the plaintiff. I'm Doug Llewellyn. It, <laughs> dun, dun, it's dun, it's dun. about the same, but but instead of everybody get paid, uh, nobody gets paid. <laughs> this is the defendant, Thomas Sankara. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yeah, that was when they were like uh, so typing a, the name up on the screen. You know, yeah, it was such a good show. In September of 1985, um, uh, Sankara delivers a speech where he calls for a revolution in Mali. Um, the the Malayan leaders are not very happy with this um, because there there's an amount of social unrest in the country as it is, and Sankara making the speech just sort of inflames uh, these these sort of uh, uh, unrest. Son of a bitch. Um, so, after all this is happening, um, a border war eventually breaks out between them. Um, Mali so and after, Burkina Faso? Yeah. On, so, on November 24th, um, uh, tensions on the border begin to build after a, uh, a Burkinabe national is killed, um, uh, kills another uh, near the border of, uh, in Somme province on the border with Mali. Uh, the Malian police 
They cross the border uh, to arrest the murderer and also detain several members of the local committee of, for the defense of the revolution um, who are preparing a tribunal for the murderer. Um, three days later, the police uh, from Mali will enter uh, Konya uh, to, quote-unquote, restore order. Um, Burkina Faso would make... Uh, would, would, would sort of, like, try to contact the government of Mali to, to sort of wake this out, but Mali gave them no response. Hmm. Um, and beginning in December of that year, uh, Burkina Faso informed Mali um, and other surrounding countries that it would be uh, conducting a, a census that would be from uh, December 10th to December 20th. Um, so on, on December 14th, uh, military personnel from uh, Burkina Faso enter uh, Akacher uh, to assist with the census, and Mali accuses these military authorities of pressuring uh, Malian citizens in border villages to register with the sentence, uh, which Burkina Faso disputed. Okay. Um, in an attempt to reduce uh, tensions, the uh, the ANAD, which is a West African Treaty Organization, uh, dispatches a delegation uh, to mediate between the the two powers. Uh, the president of Algeria, Chadley Benchley, Chadley also, yeah, fucking Chadley. He also contacted the leaders of both countries to encourage a peaceful resolution. And then, and How is the president of Algeria the whitest of white guys? Please explain that to me. <laughs> oh, Chadley Benj did. He looks like a fucking Chadley. Uh, uh, Ryan, okay? I think we know the answer to this question. <laughs> Imperialism. Well, te- technically, under, technically under the U.S. Census laws, uh, um, Arabs He's are considered white. I'm about to say, let me guess, he's black, huh? <laughs> Jeez. Um, at, at the request of the members of the organization, uh, Burkina Faso announced her withdrawal of all military personnel from the disputed region. Um, so, d- despite this happening, uh, they, uh, Burkina Faso and Mali continue to, to sort of, like, uh, argue and battle with each other. Um, and feeling uh, threatened by Sankara, uh, Traore, um, he begins preparing Mali for war with Burkina Faso. Um, oh, so so three groups are formed uh, that from Mali to plan to invade Burkina Faso and converge on the city of Bobo uh, Diolasso. Uh, once there, they would rally the opposition um, to Sankara, and they would take um, Ogu uh, Ogu Dago um, and overthrow Sankara. Who's that? Sorry. Um, a former a former Sankara aide, uh, Paul uh, Michaud, would would later write that uh, Sankara had purposely provoked uh, Mali in order to mobilize popular support against the the government in Mali. I mean, and who was that that wrote that? Who, wait, who was it, it? Who was that to Sankara that wrote that? Like, what was, uh, what, an was aide, Mr. Michaud's? A, a former aide to Sankara. So, a former, <sighs> like, guy in the office of Sankara said that Sankara had wished to sort of foment revolution in Mali. False flag, False flag basically. According mm, to him, know. a quote unquote, an official and reliable um, Malian source um, had reported that. Uh, 
mobilization documents dated uh, December 19th were found on the bodies of fallen uh, Burkinabe soldiers during the ensuing war. Mm, I want pictures. Sorry, I live in the age of the fucking goddamn first uh, war broadcast on TikTok. I need fucking goddamn evidence Pixar now. didn't I don't happen, yeah. Yeah, Ghost of Kiev has now ruined me, man. Yep. The, uh, the, the U.S. authorities, uh, specifically the U.S. ambassador, uh, Leonardo uh, Nahir. Da Vinci. I knew would, you were going to fucking say, do that, dude. <laughs> Leonardo Da Vinci's got a great pizza shop over on 6. He's still got dollar slices. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Go see Le- Leonardo is a cool dude. Did you know that Da Vinci but, means But Raphael is a rude Vinci? dude. Did you know that? <laughs> um, but but Nahir would say it is it is hard to believe that that Malian authorities are unaware that the rumors circulating are false. Um, essentially stating that like, well, the rumors that that so that's like a fucking quadruple negative, bro. What? <laughs> he's essentially saying that the rumors that Burkina Faso was planning on invading are true because he's saying like, why trust these guys? And if they say it's true, it's true. You got, like, um, negatives, which we understand. Double negatives, which you think about for a second. But, okay, you get it. Triple negatives, which takes you a second. This dude's, like, teetering on, like, <laughs> the, uh, quadruple uh, negatives. A, a cable a cable recovered from the CIA would state, The war was born of Bernaco's hope that the conflict would trigger a coup in Burkina Faso. Oh, okay. Um, so, so we know from, like, officially the, the ambassador is saying, like, well... I trust the people of Mali, but the CIA is saying that Mali thinks that if they invade, that that Sankara's government will collapse. And which on makes December, more sense. And on and on Christmas Day, December twenty fifth, nineteen eighty five, hundred and fifty uh, Malian uh, army tanks uh, crossed the frontier and attacked several locations. This is like the that meme, like the worst person you you know just made a good point. Like the CIA, I think was pretty much uh, correct on this one, and it sucks. I fucking hate agreeing with the CIA, but yeah, I, I think they were pretty correct. Um, the the Malians t- uh, tried to envelop uh, Bobo Diarraso with a pin- pincer attack. Um, the the army of Burkina Faso struggles to repel the offensive um, due due to the superior firepower of the Malians. Um, and, and they're overwhelmed on the northern front. Uh, they quickly secure the towns of Dionuga, Selba, Kona, Dona, um, which is in the, the disputed region of the Adjachir. Okay. Um, the, the government in, in Burkina Faso receives word of hostilities at 1300 hours uh, that day, so 1 o'clock p.m., um, and immediately issue mobilization orders. Um, the the Burkinabe forces regroup in in Dionuga and they launch a counterattack. Oh, um, Compeor, um, he as a captain in the army took command of the Western Front, um, okay. and under his leadership, soldiers uh, split into small groups um, would employ guerrilla tactics against the Malian tanks. Um, immediately after the conflict begins. Uh, other African leaders uh, attempt to create a truce between the, the two groups. Fair enough. Um, on mean, December yeah. 30th, yeah. Uh, Burkina Faso and Mali agree uh, to a ceasefire brokered by this group. Um, uh, so Mali by then had, had sort of occupied most of the Strip. Um, okay. Over 100 Burkinabe and approximately 
40 uh, Malian soldiers and civilians were killed during the war. Uh, the Burkinabe towns of uh, Oai, Higoya, Dejubo, and Nasombo uh, were left badly damaged by the fighting. I'm looking at a map, right? And uh, that town is absolutely named, pronounced Cuyahoga. <laughs> Jeez. I can see exactly what town you're talking about. That is that is fucking Cuyahoga. <laughs> I think I've heard that before. Um, but on January 17th, uh, Chayare and Sankara meet and formalize an agreement to end the hostilities. Um, the International Court of Justice later would split the Akachar. Uh, Mali received the more densely populated western portion, and Burkina Faso, uh, the eastern uh section centered on the uh, Bele River. Um, both of them indicated that they were happy with the agreement. Hmm. Um, but Burkina Faso would declare that the war itself was an international plot to bring down Sankara's government. Um, it also rejected speculation that it was fought over the, the mineral wealth of the Akacher region. Okay, see, that's ridiculous. Like, that's that's why. But that's why. Come on, man. Like that's why. Is mineral wealth? Yes. What? Why is every war fought over um, wealth? In some because form? because Burkina Faso had performed so poorly in the war, um, it, it had sort of damaged the the credibility of the uh, the CNR, those those revolutionary committees. Right. Um, the the soldiers of Burkina Faso were also angered by Sankara's failure uh, to prosecute the war more aggressively and to rally a counteroffensive against Mali. Oh, man, he's losing the army. That's um, not good. It, it also sort of furthered that because of his stances being, you know, anti-aid, anti-like taking taking help from other countries, that it made them isolated and not, not having other countries help them, which, you know, Mali is gaining help from, like, France and the United States. Right. Oh, man, this isn't good. When, um, if you lose the military, you're done. And, and despite this... Um, uh, Burkina Faso, they, they make little uh, references supporting revolution in other countries after this, um, so they're able to sort of rebuild their relationship with France because France sort of realizes that, yeah, they're revolutionary, but they're not going to, you know, spread the revolution to former French colonies that they're profiting from. Yeah. Right. They're revolutionary, but they're not, it's not going to spread. Um, at, at a rally held after the war, Sankara would concede that the country's military was not adequately armed and announced the commutation of sentences for numerous political prisoners against the state. Because overall, uh, Thomas Sankara is not, um, while he is anti-imperialist, he's not like like overboard with it. Um, France, being the former colonial master of uh, Burkina Faso, is often sort of the target of these talks. Um, and eventually what happens is uh, Francois Mitterrand, who is the uh, president of France, uh, visits Burkina Faso in this November 1986, uh, during which uh, Thomas Sankara uh, criticizes French policy uh, for having received uh, Pierre Pieter uh, uh, Botha, who's the prime minister of South Africa at that time, and Jonas Zavimbi, who is the leader of the UNITA uh, rebel group, uh, within Angola and uh, Southwest Africa. Hmm. Okay. 
Um, he describes Francis being, quote-unquote, covered in blood both head to toe. Um, and during that fact, uh, during that time period afterwards, uh, <laughs> France, France lowers its economic aid uh, 80% between 1983 and 1985. Oof. So that's going to hurt. Um, and Guy Guy Penet, a um, an advisor to uh, to Minerand, um on African affairs, he also organized a media campaign to denigrate uh, Thomas Sankara um, to to sort of claim that uh, Sankara was committing atrocities um, to fuel sort of like criticism of him. That's kind of like the first step, though. Like you, you say that oh, they're committing atrocities, they're killing people, they're killing civilians, they're doing this, they're doing that, right? Yeah, um, okay. and and two during this time period as well, um, Sankara is beginning to cooperate with Cuba, um, in that um, after meeting with Fidel Castro, um, he would send uh, young people to Cuba in order to receive professional training, um, in order to further development of the country. You know, sending young people to Cuba to train to be doctors, engineers, other things like that. Okay, so I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take a wild stab right now, and I'm gonna say that. Thomas Sankara is gonna get fucking clapped by the CIA. You you'll see. Okay. Um, so a lot of the volunteers too that he sends are recruited from mostly uh, orphans yes. and and children from disadvantaged <laughs> areas. So while people might say you know that he's like shipping them off to Cuba to be indoctrinated, he's sending people who don't really have a future to like learn a trade. You know to learn to be doctors. Right. Whereas like Cuba today is kind of like a joke in terms of like how its medicine is but you have to understand that cuban doctors are very well trained and cuban facilities are state of the art up to like the 1960s mm-hmm. and and despite that they they're still very like very well trained you know cuban doctors have developed like a covid vaccine that's comparable their, their medical schools are yeah, still like real good and, and despite having the socialized medical system that people describe as being like a slavery system, since like medical doctors get like sent out to like Brazil or other places to work, which honestly for those people they should they should be happy for that you know that Cubans are being sent to other countries that are quote unquote better than Cuba to yeah. to live um, that that they're allowed to do that because your quality of life's going to be better potentially right yeah I mean you're a physician. Yes, <laughs> That's a, um, you're going to get a good quality of life no matter where you all, are. And if all the, the members good quality that were of life set, in Brazil is better uh, than the good quality of life in Cuba, you're going to have a better quality of life overall. Period. And, and all of these, all of these people are said they're volunteers, um, and they're recruited based on a competition with priority given to those that come from the mis, uh, the most disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, so f- among them, uh, 600 teenagers are flown to Cuba uh, to complete their schooling and receive professional training. As doctors, engineers, um, agronomists, and gynecologists. Okay. Um, what the hell is an agronomist? It's it's someone who specializes in agriculture. I've never heard of that before. It, it's the kids that were in the uh, FFA. For my <laughs> wife, yeah. Fucking... It's yeah. It's, <laughs> there you go. it's it's like if you if you study like crop yields and stuff like that, you're agronomist. It sounds it like, sounds like vaguely boy, insulting. You know what I mean? Like it sounds like like, like our boy. Our boy Trifem Lysenko would be an agronomist. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about... Not a very good one, but a, but an agronomist nonetheless. I forgot all about triply food Lysenopril. I forgot all about <laughs> oh, him. Tri- 
Otroyfin. Oh, he would. He would also uh, denounce the United States support of Israel and South Oops. Africa, and he and he called on uh, African countries to boycott the 1984 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. God, this guy's gonna get so fucked. Oh, um, at, the, at the UN, he would denounce the invasion of Grenada by the United States, um, and he would respond by implementing uh, trade sanctions, uh, or the United States would respond to this by uh, implementing trade sanctions against uh, Burkina yeah, Faso. his denouncement uh, started with, hello, mother, hello, father. <laughs> hello, father. <laughs> Here I am at... Um, Bro, the CIA is definitely going to hear me. He's definitely one, about to get touched. One that I really agree with him is on this? is that he also... This is in 1984. Um, so he, he would also call upon the UN to end the veto powers held by the great powers, the 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 five powers that dominate the Security Council. Casey Banano. <laughs> so the, the United States, the United States, then the Soviet Union, Great Britain, France... Uh, the People's Republic of China, uh, because they can they can veto most things that happen within the United Nations. Because you have to remember, the United Nations is founded on the principles of the Allies winning World War the II. United they were the Nations five biggest allies. Was founded so that the rights of common patriotic citizens like me could not be taken away by a bunch of organizers like yourself. <laughs> he would, he would, he would also support the independence of Western Sahara, uh, Palestine, and the Nicaraguan Sandinistas and other um, other groups such as the uh, the ANC in South Africa. Oops, he supported Pal- He supported Palestine. Yeah. Oh, dude, um, I, are we sure he didn't get nuked? This guy's. Getting- <laughs> oh my god. Well, so while bad. he did have good relations with the the leader of Ghana, Jerry Rawlings, and 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 Muammar Gaddafi. Um, he was relatively isolated. Well, of course, Gaddafi was there. <laughs> He's friends with Gaddafi, bro. This is not okay. So, we know how Gaddafi died. Well, he had, he we had good video. relations. Oh God, he's he was he was on he was on friendly terms. It wasn't like he was best friends with them. No, but he he's, has, he's friends with them though. He's good relations. It's, he's, he's friendly. Well, well, he was friendly with them because remember, like like Gaddafi was like friendly with anybody who'd be friendly with them. And also, BT Dubs like. Thomas Sankara is way better than Gaddafi is. Like, way yeah. more of a socialist, we'll just say, quote-unquote, just to um, make it, like, a real easy but, blanket. But for instance, he's really going to get fucked. <laughs> but, for instance, the, the French uh, the French friendly uh, leader of the Côte d'Ivoire, uh, Houphouet uh, Bonnet, uh, was very hostile to him, as well as Hassan II of Morocco. Um, and you have to remember, uh, Houphouet uh, Bonnet... Uh, Bonnet is like the fixer for France and Africa. Because remember, he leads one of the most prosperous nations. He's very friendly with France. He's aiding a lot of these like pro-Western revolutionary movements in Africa. That like to give you an idea, like Republican presidents are referring to him as "quote unquote" the wise man of Africa. So, so when like George George W. Bush is calling you the wise man of Africa, you know that guy like. That that wise man sits on like a throne of skulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he would also uh, be on the forefront of ecological awareness, um, and he's one of the few African leaders in the '80s that was uh, making environmental protection a priority. Um, he would fight against brush fires, um, which he said, which will be considered as crimes and will be punished as such, um, against cattle roaming. 
He said, which infringes on the rights of peoples because unattended animals destroy nature and also against the anarchic cutting of firewood whose profession will have to be organized and regulated because he realizes that he doesn't want his country to end up, um, to give an example, like Katie, where where, where unregulated cutting of, like, wood has led to, like, ecological catastrophe within the country. Yeah. Right. I didn't know about that, and I uh, worked with a Haitian guy, and he told me all about it, and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, man, it's a fucking mess. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Um, during during his uh, rule within a 15 month period he had what was called um, he, he would plant um, 10 million trees in Burkina Faso um, and, he, um, and to face like sort of the, the droughts that were uh, increasingly occurring due to climate change um, he also proposed the planting of wooded strips of about 50, uh, 50 kilometers uh, crossing the country from east to west to sort of stop this erosion from destroying the country. God, this guy's awesome. He also thought of extending this vegetation belt to other countries. Um, so before 1983, cereal production in uh, Burkina Faso was close to 1.1 billion tons, but it would rise to 1.6 billion tons in 1987. Wait a minute, so you're saying that the fucking Lucky Charms that I ate when I, I was, like, in one, two years old could have potentially been made in Burkina Faso? Well, possibly, because uh, a former UN special uh, reporter, uh, Gene Ziegler, um, uh, on the subject of the right to food, um, he emphasized that uh, Burkina Faso had become, quote-unquote, uh, food self-reliant. Ooh. Okay. Or, or food self-sufficient, meaning that uh, Burkina Faso didn't have to uh, trade for a lot of their food goods. That that they had created a system that the, that they had created a system of of what can be referred to as autarky. That I don't like to use the term autarky. Um, that the, they had become self-sufficient and didn't need to rely on foreign nations for their food. But did we did okay? But you said cereal production. Did they really actually make like Lucky Charms and Frosted Flakes and shit? Well, well, no. Cereal is like grains, rice, like that type of thing. Oh come on, man! I was excited for a minute here. <laughs> like Rice Krispie treats were made in like, like in it's Burkina just, Faso. It's just, it's just Thomas Sankara like riding his bike in front of the parade down the street. Ryan, if you want to know that's when he the, dies, that's a Cheerio honey. <laughs> Ryan, if you want to know when he dies, just remember when you were a kid when they you couldn't get Cookie Crisp anymore. You couldn't get it. That's when. <gasps> I remember. Remember oh, that? You go to the fucking grocery store and it's just gone, and you're like, "Hey, Mr. Oh, grocery Store God. Man, where's the Cookie Crisp? I don't know, son. They don't make it anymore. They don't have that. I don't know." We never had no cookie crisp. Not now, not ever. <laughs> now get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh my God. Um, what, the store? But, no, just but, get out of the cereal aisle, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> just, starts, just starts picking up one of those bags of those cheap bags of cereal and swings it around at you like a derby. <laughs> Why is there so much tricks up here? <laughs> <laughs> On October fifth, ni- or on October fifteenth, nineteen eighty-seven, uh, Thomas Sankara was killed by an armed group Here with twelve go. other officials in a coup d'état organized by his former uh, friend and colleague, uh, Blaise uh, Compaor. Goddamn Blaze, he's back. 
fucking Blaze. Blaze uh, along with Titan and Zap and Nitro to all, back. Yep. Before <laughs> all, the these, coup. all these gladiators. Before the coup Shot with a Nerf gun 12 times. <laughs> oh, I wanted that gun so bad. We definitely. Um, Look at a fucking stinger bro, missile. We, defi- we then, definitely set then, up some uh, American Gladiators <laughs> events in my backyard. And then. And then Blaze, and then Blaze jumped in one of those like rolling balls and escaped. Yep. <laughs> he was out. Um, oh God. Kampare, uh, <laughs> uh, he stated that Sankara uh, jeopardized the relations with the nation, um, and also with France and, and the Cote d'Ivoire, and he accused his uh, his comrade of planning to uh, assassinate uh, political opponents. Okay, um, but like, is Blaze a CIA op? Is he an well, operative? Prince, Come on, man. Yes. Well, Prince Johnson, who was a, a former Liberian warlord who was, uh, was allied to Charles Taylor, who you might have heard of, who was a prominent uh, Liberian warlord, oh, um, uh, who, who had killed the Liberian president, uh, Samuel Doe, that he had told, that the, uh, he had told the Liberian uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission that it was engineered by Charles Taylor uh, to kill Sankara. Um, and even though Sankara was killed, um, many of the uh, the revolutionary committees um, had had risen up in resistance against the army for several days. Um, according to uh, Helona uh, Traore, who was the sole survivor of the assassination, uh, Sankara was attending a meeting with the uh, Conseil de la Tante. Um, his assassins had singled out Sankara and executed him. Um, they had shot at those attending the meeting, killing 12 uh, other people, and Sankara's body was burned with bullets to the back, and he was uh, quickly buried in an unmarked grave, while his widow, uh, Miriam, and his two, ch- uh, two children uh, fled the country. So we've been doing African history for the better part of a month now, and what I'm gathering is you should never be anything past center left i'm sorry center right uh in africa or else you're gonna get cooed and you're gonna either get dissolved in acid and your family's gonna get teeth back in the year of our lord 2022 or you're gonna get just fucking riddled with bullet bro what the fuck like i don't uh, this is bad man well either either that or you have to be like a, a complete like controlling psychopath like Idi Amin to survive. Yeah, you gotta be like Idi Amin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta be like a fucking Cause, lunatic. Because people job. talk about Idi Amin like it was the stuff that happened, but like Idi Amin was like in power for decades. <laughs> and the worst part is, is like it's not even from within. Like it's not your citizens, you know, hating you and wanting you overthrown. It's like outside interference. It's always outside interference. It's a rough gig. Which um, once again brings me back to back. Uh, brings me back to Black Wall Street. And, oh, God, it's so bad. It's one of the worst things um, ever. Yeah. Bro, um, everything. Africa so, is like Black Wall Street on a gigantic level. Um, Campore, uh, immediately after coming to power, he reverses the nationalizations of the government. He overturns nearly all of Sankar's policies. Um, he would rejoin the, uh, the IMF um, and the World Bank uh, to bring in what he said was, quote-unquote, desperately needed funds to restore a shattered economy and ultimately spurned, um, and he would go on to like just trample most of uh, Sankara's legacy. Jesus Christ! Of course. Uh, uh, Campare 
uh, he would remain as dictator of Burkina Faso uh, for 27 years until he's overthrown by a popular protest in 2014. Like, if you look at his Wikipedia page, he has a modern picture because that dude is still around. Jeez. And he ran the country until eight years ago. Um, it, in 2016, the government of Burkina Faso officially asked the French government to release documents on the killing of Sankara um, after his widow accused France of masterminding the assassination. Um, which, which I don't think they fully released. Um, in 2021... Um, the former president, um, Kampare, and 13 others have been indicted um, and will eventually be tried for their complicity in the murder of Sankara, as well as other crimes that they committed in their coup d'etat. Um, this comes as part of uh, the, the current president of Burkina Faso, uh, Roche Kampare's framework for national uh, reconciliation, or I should say, what was then the current president of Burkina Faso. Because on October 11th, uh, uh, 2021, the trial uh, the trial begins, um, and so Blaze a, Blaze's trial began October yeah, and, this and Octo past year. Yeah, last year, and then October 18th, before the the trial had really got going, um, Compre's lawyer stated that he wouldn't be attending the trial, which they characterized as having uh, a sort of being like a um, a political trial, and saying he had uh, immunity from it. Um, and after requests from the uh, the defense, uh, more time was given to prepare until October 25th. Um, but once this trial starts going, what happens is is that there's a, a further coup d'etat that happened this year on January 23rd, 2022, um, in uh, Burkina Faso. Um, and the trial itself was suspended for a week uh, during that time period while the, the coup d'etat took place. Hmm. Um, so the trial into Sankara's death is still going, um, be because, you know, Burkina Faso is such a, um, unstable nation, um, even more so now with all the, the, the sort of coup d'etats that are going on in Africa, um, it, it may be some time until we find out what the final verdict will be. God damn. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it's my understanding of his assassination that they pretty much just... While his back was turned, uh, some some guards just like, or, or or alleged guards, just like shot him in the back with like an assault rifle, and then just like killed the other twelve people in the room except for one dude who survived. Yeah, it's that's such a coward. It's so cowardly, dude. Yeah, well, that's nuts. Oh my god! The more I like these people that you introduce me to, Steve, the more I hate it because they always go out in such a terrible way. And even if it's not like horrifically gross and terrible it's just a coward yeah no more assassinated people i need a break do something happy yeah well we'll we'll, we'll do we'll do something better maybe something weird um some some other things i just wanted to do an african leader because you know we we're coming out of black history month and i think it's a travesty that black history month is february the shortest month so oh. we're, we're gonna bleed out into some other months do some african leaders and then i like it uh, man oh yeah i like it too i don't know a lot about african history so it is good to uh learn i, about it I have some ideas for for some next ones that are more are more light-hearted um that we can talk about right. um, <laughs> the anheuser-busch company yeah <laughs> listen <no. laughs> listen as soon as you start to be like yo Coors Light is problematic I'm like man fuck I went to Coors Field when I, went, I was out, when I was out there in Denver recently I'm like god damn it. 
<laughs> yeah, they're like they're like Henry Ford level. Oh no! The protocols of the elders of Budweiser. But but, in, but instead they're like communism, a threat to everything. <laughs> oh my god! Union, more like fired. Yeah. More like go fuck yourself. <laughs> why do you why do you want these pay these people to sit around and do nothing when that that money could go to you? For union dues, you could afford a PS5 after five paychecks. Hey, why don't these people care about the police union? Dude, I've had this conversation before. Huh, it, it must, it must, well, uh-huh, it must be. Well, well you know, well, you know about it that, must Ryan. Be some Any shit that poor people don't get. Well, you know, Ryan, that that's a very good point. But anyways, that was the trilateral Troy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the tri- <laughs> Yeah, I'm out before this goes anywhere. I'm out. <laughs> no, I I know exactly why. Before we'll before we all enough. end up dead. You know, for another, for Look, another before we, before we end up with a vacuum hose like connected our tailpipe. Before several big rig trucks end up in my driveway. Stay Honking. tuned for episode 100 when we cover the Policeman's Benevolent Association. Good night. Remember, they never call you. All right.